0: video i'm telling you ron's the one that did that for me so that's awesome so anyway we're we're in week two of all i want for christmas we talked last week um about just to survive we gave you some survival tips we went a little further and talked about how the not so perfect christmas that first one what kind of um anxiety and different things they went through and so today we're going to keep messing up that christmas story a little bit for you um And so uh, Mary and Joseph, we talked about things like this last year, how far apart they were in age. Mary, 13 to 17 years old, and Joseph was 30. That's tough. Um, Anyway, arranged marriage, not love as we know it today. Joe goes through with the plan because his uh, or her story of, you know, God did this to me is backed up by an angel, they go through rejection, they, they travel, she's not in any condition to travel, there's the inn, the barn, uh, dealing with family, now their lives are in danger because of King Herod, and they're fleeing for their lives, and, and that's just some of the stuff we talked about last week, and uh, I know that there are people here that are going through some things, or you've been through some things, or this may be the first season or this holiday season, it's different because of different things. And um, I get it. Okay, we all have stuff that we deal with, but God can relate to you. I just wanted to tell you today that God knows exactly where you are. He sent his son and uh, he knows exactly how to help you. This morning, I want to talk about the wise men and uh, they're often misunderstood. And we talked last week, we hinted and just to let you know, we even said it They weren't there when Jesus was born. So our nativity scenes are kind of wackadoo, they're a little out of place, we like the way that looks with the star and the wise men and all of that, but um, we're going to read the Bible, I want to break it down and pull some principles out, and I think it's going to help you today, and we want today, all I want for Christmas is I want influence, I'm going to give you some five things about influence that will help you and will help your holiday season and, uh, and just help us get through what we need to get through, But plus make us better people for God, how many want that? In the name of Jesus. If you have your Bible, you want to turn to Matthew chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 1 through 12. And this is what it says. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who's been born king of the Jews? Just a little side note. Isn't it interesting that in all of this reference, he is referred to as king of the Jews? What was, at the time of his death, the title they were telling him? Kind of the same one, isn't it? Pretty, pretty ironic. I just thought that was kind of cool. Uh, For we have seen his star in the east have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ, where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him in Bethlehem of Judea, for it's written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go, search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy, and when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. So when we look at this passage, there's a lot of things that don't make sense. You start reading this, and I never really read it this way. I always read it in the mindset if this all happened in the same time frame. And it really didn't. It doesn't line up with the traditional scene that we have for Christmas, as we talked about. We know these guys came from a province of where ancient Babylon or Persia would have been. If we, if we go all the way back to Daniel, and you know Daniel was taken into captivity by King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon... And Daniel lived in Babylon and was elevated as a magistrate, and he was in that position. The chief magi, who were charged with this particular group of people, were powerful. Uh, when he became the chief, he was over the entire province of Babylon. Uh, even though Babylon was powerful, the par- this, is, this, is, this word is something. I, I had to say it a couple times to myself. Parthian? Per, Parithian? It's close like that. Just act like you know what I'm talking about. That's that Parthian Empire was equal in power to Roman government and was in charge of Jerusalem. So uh, really what I'm trying to tell you is these guys that came were very large and in charge. They were, they were guys that carried a lot of clout. Uh, so uh, Daniel's living, you know, this is 100 years before Jesus. And one of the things he did was prophesy about the future. So what they're speculating, and again, this is just what some of the historians are thinking. It's speculation, but there's a good chance they think these guys are going off some of what Daniel has said. Hundreds of years before. Isn't that brilliant of the Lord as He's always foretold everything? The Old Testament is always saying, This is what's going to happen in the New Testament. And the New Testament just confirms what they were saying in the Old Testament. God is already carrying that stuff out. So these guys, they they carried clout. So uh, they were kingmakers, okay? What they did was they put people in charge. So they were the kingmakers. They were under the Parthian Empire. And their quest or goal was to appoint kings. And so that's over different sections or areas. And so that's what these guys did. So um, they were they carried some weight. They carried clout. So realize this. They were three gifts, not three wise men. The Bible doesn't say how many. And I, I really never, well, I just, you know, we grew up three wise men. It doesn't really say that. We'll just assume that there were three. Um, there could have been 25, there could have been a hundred, uh, there could have been three. It, it just distinguishes the gifts, not the people. And so when these guys show up, things begin to change for, for King Herod. Uh, he was appointed. You need to understand Herod was appointed by the Roman government. He was not an elected official. He was not like we would elect somebody today. He was put in charge. He was not born king. He was appointed. And so he was insecure about who he was, about himself and his leadership. And if you do a little study on Herod, you'll find out that one time he was removed from office and then put back. So he's got issues. Herod is not real secure in who he is as a king or a leader. And uh, because of the influence these guys carried and the power, they are traveling with an entourage, maybe even an elite fighting force. And when I read and think of that, I, I guess I think of ninjas or something but i'm not saying they're traveling with ninjas but you know i'm a guy so i'm like oh man this is cool so but they're traveling with a group of people back in those days too if you traveled you took everything you had with you because they didn't have first alert they didn't have any of the stuff that you know is everybody all right mrs jones your alarm has gone off they didn't have any of that stuff So if you didn't take it with you and you were gone for any length of time and you didn't have somebody that was watching your things, you wouldn't have things when you got back. Your whole place could be just gone. So uh, there's a good chance that these guys are carrying everything. (laughs) And so that kind of lets us know that there's probably more than three. At least there's people that are helping, even if there is three that are carrying all the stuff. But... um, I want you to understand this. When we read the scripture, it said in the the New King James, it says, Herod was troubled, and so was all of Jerusalem. I mean, he's troubled. So I'm just going to say this. He's freaked out. And let me just tell you, he wouldn't freak out because there's just three guys. Three guys are not going to freak a king out because he's the king. But an entourage of of magi with everything they have and uh fighting force and all that comes he's he's like oh, okay well what are these guys here it's kind of like uh elf buddy when the store closes and he redoes the whole thing well it's not like that at all but just go with me <laughs> and the guy comes and said this is done by a professional i mean instead of it's just one guy but i'm saying when, when they show up it gives the king reason to start going uh-oh uh oh, there's a reason why they're here. So uh, he's troubled, or he's freaky, whatever you want to call it. But uh, this is historians say this that Herod's army at this time was gone. They're off fighting some kind of something just because the king. He the, they're upholding the king in some other area because there's uh, a rising of some kind, and so his army is gone. And these kingmakers show up with this elite group, so he's threatened. And their quest is to appoint the king. That's what they do. So when they're they're stating to Herod what's, what's going to happen. So this is different than what we read in the nativity scene with the three guys and the camels that show up over the manger and all that. So here's three kingmakers and company show up already to an insecure king Herod and say we're here to crown the child that was born naturally king of the Jews. And from that perspective, I want to talk about the wise men, these kingmakers that came from far away. And if I if I can show you some principles this morning, I think if we can get a hold of those, it's going to radically change the way we live our lives. So today's message is about influence. All I want for Christmas is influence. Last week, we survived. You survived last week. You're here again. Today, we want to become influencers. So how do we help ourselves and others take that journey? So here's our first point. If you're going to be a kingmaker, a person of influence, you'll have to have or have to be a person of perception. Number one is you need to be perceptive. Daniel had lived hundreds of years before no doubt had prophecies from him. And all the info the Jewish leaders had, they told Herod, we've seen the star in the east and they knew it meant something. If we all go outside at nighttime unless you're you know sometimes obviously country you can see stars better but most generally you can see stars i never thought of this Uh, (laughs) you see the star everybody can see that star think about that it's not just that these guys just had star phobia they you know Oh, stars, I see stars. They, everybody could see what's going on. But they were saying, we've got a mission. There's something, there's something about that star. Their perception was at least keen enough to go, something's going on. Uh, some accounts call them astronomers. They're, they're like, that's not usual. That's not in the, uh, the way the stars are normally. Something's cool about that one. They were perceptive. They, they had enough that they said, we're going to follow this. I believe perceptive people can advance in the world around them and see what others miss. If you keep your perception up, you can see things that people don't see. I mean, we're different. Guys and girls are completely different. We we don't function the same many times. And, you know, uh, there's things that Kim will see that I, I, I never saw. There's things that I will see that she didn't see. So... um we want to be perceptive people and we can work together but people miss a lot because we live our life like this we live our life kind of like you just stay in your lane i'll stay in mine don't mess with me and i won't mess with you but if you mess with me then i gotta i gotta do something different so we we miss a lot how many have ever watched somebody now that texting is there walk into a pole or a door I hate to say this, but we've been in the mall before, and I have al- I've walked into people by mistake. And they've walked into me. I've walked almost into a pole, which I'm sure would have been funny. Somebody would have evidently. If I do anything like that, somebody's going to catch it on video. But I did not. I happened to look up. There had been my angel going, hey! <laughs> and uh, there was the pole. And I was just trying to tell Kim where I was. Like, where are you? I'm right here. And ladies, this is a side note. You always say, I'm going to be right here. Just text me. You're never right where you're like over here. And then some blouse draws you over there. And then you're over here to the jewelry and the makeup. And she'll say, you can find me over here. I'll go over there. I went over there four times and she's not there. She's somewhere else. Well, I was over there a while ago. Perception. Yeah. Ah. We get consumed with what's right in front of us and don't see things around us. When I grew up, there was the big thing, where's Waldo? Remember that? You'd see all these millions of things and you had to find the little guy in the red striped shirt and all that. Where's Waldo? You ever observe people in public places and they they don't see you, but you see them? Have you ever tried to get as close to them as you can without them seeing you? Instead of just walking up and going, hey, how you doing? Just get real close and then go, hi there. <laughs> oh, they, they don't know, they don't re- and then they recognize you. Greatness is all about getting our eyes off of us and seeing the needs of those around us and being aware of areas we can help. Being able to anticipate and understand what certain movements mean and understand what to do and how to process it. And the reason these guys got into Scripture is because of their perception. They were able to see some things and look past themselves and be able to move on. First Chronicles 12:2 says, "Of the sons of Issachar who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do, their chiefs were 200, and all their brethren were at their command. When we're at home, our family, especially this time of year, they have needs, and we need to have the ability to perceive what's going on around us, anticipate the needs of others, perceive what they need. Respond accordingly if you're if you're an executive in an office and let's just say the the guy's got out a piece of paper And he goes, go we're going to take some notes on this I want to I want to write down some things that I wanted to point out to you guys and there are People all around him and nobody gives him a pen I Mean somebody should perceive that hey, he's going to need a pen. He just decided he's going to take some notes What if he doesn't have a pen? Here's a pen boss You might say well that's sucking up. No, that's being perceptive That's just saying, hey, I see you have that need. How many have ever been a mechanics helper? And the girls are like, I don't know. Okay. Well, the guys are kind of, you know, if if the dude knows what he's doing and you're paying attention and you watch him do it and he's got to do the same thing to another thing, you're going to perceive what he needs and he's going to turn around to get his tool. You're going to hand it to him. That's like those uh, doctor. He knows he tells the nurse scalpel. I need this. I need that. Ladies, you could understand if you're you're working in the house and maybe your daughter or somebody's helping you and, and they learn from you what to do and what you're going to do. Well, she's whack. I know what she's going to do after dusting. She's going to sweep, and they get the sweeper out and plug that in and start doing that. That's perception. If we would do those things, if we can perceive. What our spouse needs, it'll change your life. If, you know, if I see Kim, you know she's making something or whatever, and I'm thinking she's going to need a napkin, or she'll need this, or I could get that, she likes this, and I'll do that first. She didn't have to say anything, that's perception. You can earn a place of influence by able, being able to be perceptive to the world and to those loved ones around you and respond appropriately. So if you want to be a kingmaker and a person of influence, be perceptive. Here's number two. You need to be completely transparent. High-level leaders are not manipulators. They're honest. They shoot straight with, uh, with people. These guys shot straight with Herod. And you can see the difference. Herod immediately, he wanted to call a secret meeting. He didn't say what he really wanted to do. He's trying to manipulate people to get the things that he wants. And so he wants the advantage, and so he doesn't share his real plans. He's insecure. He, wants, he doesn't want to go worship the baby. He wants to kill the baby. He's not telling them everything. And so we got to understand he's so threatened, he's insecure. He's the dude that's really wackadoo. He's, but if you want to be a person of influence, you can't live your life by manipulation or hidden agendas. Just put it on the table. Be open and honest to what you're trying to accomplish. And people respond to transparency. They respond to honesty. Even if it's uncomfortable, people would rather be led by the truth than by manipulation. Proverbs 12:22. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal truthfully are his delight. If you want to be influenced or have influence, be transparent, uh, be perceptive, and be uh, truthful about your motives. Here comes number three. These guys are humble. If you want to be a person of influence, you need to be humble. The Bible is not really clear of the precise sequence of these events. That's why our manger scene's a little off. But historically, they probably traveled with an army because of who they were, because of all the stuff they presented, all the things they had with them, plus the treasures they presented. Uh, Herod's army, if you remember, was gone, fighting another uprising skirmish somewhere else. So I want to step back a second. Uh, And these guys aren't worried about what Herod's saying. You know, They're not worried because they they already know who they are. They're secure in who they are. Uh, This would be like, in essence, a fifth grader fighting an MMA fighter or something. I mean, they, they know who they are. They know what they can do. They know why they're on their mission. They know what's going on. It's not a contest. Herod is the one that's insecure. So when he hears what they're doing, he flexes a little bit. And he says, you know, I'm the king. If you let me know where he's at, I'll come and worship him, too. So he's trying again to manipulate, not be honest, set things up for him. These guys could have flexed and said, dude, you have no say here. We are the kingmakers. They don't say anything. The Bible has no record of them arguing. Do you understand sometimes people that when they know who they are, they don't need to argue? They don't have to get down in the dirt and roll around and and throw back and forth insults. And it's not, my dad's bigger than your dad. These guys just said, okay, sure. Because they already know who they are. And God has already taken care of them. And they believe him to do that continually. And the word proves out that he does. So uh, they didn't have to flex. So Herod, on the other hand, is a weenie. He's a wimp. I mean, anybody that's going after kids... To kill babies because he's threatened, that's not a really, that's not a man, that's uh, yeah. <laughs> so we see greatness and humility inside these guys, and when they get to where Jesus is, now I want you to understand, we read it, but I never I never saw it before, he's a small child now, okay, at this point. They found his mother and him, Then, if you read it, we read it together, and the young child, and, and they saw, and then they would marry and all of that. Um, and they worshiped him. Meekness always bows to greatness, not to power. Meekness bows to greatness, not to power. Herod bows to power. Manipulators and people who are insecure bow to power. And so, anyway, 1 Peter 5, 5, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. know, if you look at Saul and David, Saul gets his kingdom ripped out because He's proud. David doesn't do most things right, but because he's humble and he's willing to learn, uh, God says he's a man after my own heart. So it's amazing what happens when we, uh, we just are humble. Philippians 2, 3, and 4, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. So we've all been guilty of this, I think, and I don't know if this is wrong, but I think part of it is just being perceptive. So this could be right, too. You ever go in somewhere and assess the room? You know what I'm saying? You're going in and you're seeing who's there, what's, who's wearing this or what's that. Am I overdressed? Am I underdressed? Did I not? You know, we start doing all that kind of stuff. And if we're not careful, the enemy will try to slide some things in there, too. But if we're, you know, we can go from a good, healthy side to, okay, I can see some things I can do. I could help out here. Can I help over here? We could do it with that attitude, or it can be toxic. We could go in there, and we could just start picking apart everybody and, and elevate ourselves and, and, you know, blah, 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 blah. Uh, if somebody always builds you up every time you're around them, you look for opportunities to be around them. If you're around somebody, and they're always building you up, and, and I mean, that's like, <laughs> I love that person. Because you always feel better when you leave. I've talked to churches that are smaller than TLC. I mean, and right now we're, you know, 200 strong and growing. And that's just in attendance. I'm thankful for that. But, you know, we haven't always been that. And we're going somewhere with that. And we give God all the glory for it. But I've talked to people, you know, when they're there. And I can't get in a word because all they want to talk about is how wonderful and how great they are and all of that. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in the best way I can say. But I tell you what, I you know our headship like pastor gary i go talk with him and he's asking me what are you doing you know when i finally if we we got enough time where we can talk you know i started using the ipad Uh, i was blessed with this by ron i don't know how many years ago but I, i mean i use it every sunday because our lighting in this building is a little hard for me and so with even with the the word that's why i i don't open i mean i have it all right here but it's hard for me to see it in that so anyway but um, he wanted to use an iPad. He was like, how's that working for him? I said, I love that. I'm so used to it. Now, in the beginning, it was a little awkward, but now I'm even used to it. I, I love it because it saves the church money and ink and paper. Plus, I can pull things up. I can I can copy and paste. I can do all this other stuff. I, you know. But I, I leave. Now, this guy, you got to understand, this guy's church is eight times the size of mine. And he's trying to get stuff from me. I leave there going, wow. It's not like dude, you need to, you know, just be in my presence, (laughs) bow to me, kiss my ring, you know, he doesn't do any of that, I don't feel that, I mean, I feel like, I feel charged after I, you know, I got to see him just a a couple weeks ago, and man, he, when he saw me, he came up, and he hugged me, and man, how you doing, and you know, I just felt like, yes, it was so good to reconnect, there's a difference, great leaders elevate others, Remember this, it's not the whistle that pulls the train, it just makes noise. There's got to be something in the engine. We need to be perceptive, open and honest, transparent, have humility and be humble. We don't have to flex our muscles in front of people that think they have power. We don't have to prove anything. We just let God do our talking for us. Here comes point number four. If we want to be people of greatness or influential, then number four is you need to be generous. The Bible tells us when they got to Jesus, they opened their treasures. What was interesting, remember in the 80s, the fanny packs? I think that was the 80s, or was that the 90s? I think it was the 80s. My mom carried a fanny pack all here. We, we, you know, that, that whole era kind of closed out. She'd still wear one because she just liked it, I guess. I'm just saying, I think it originated here. Now, just think about what these guys wore. They're not wearing Levi's. They they got stuff that is tied around them. You know, they got satchels. they got you know purses, maybe man purses. You know I don't know what they got. They got stuff to carry stuff in. So this might have been where fanny packs were born. But anyway, uh, they brought the goods. They brought the treasure, and uh, Jesus. Re- you know they gave them for Jesus, and and that's what what Joseph used to avoid Herod. They were well taken care of. That we we figured. Uh, historians say 1.5 million could even been more anywhere from 500,000 to 1.5 million million or more from gold frankincense and myrrh they were able to use to avoid um, what Herod was trying to do so you know they didn't just give this kid a happy meal toy and said oh he's just a kid he'll he'll like it they didn't give him anything used or damaged and said hey beggars can't be choosers they just they, they took care of him they were very generous and uh, so men of of I guess women as well great men and women have this characteristic if they're godly great men and women this is one common characteristic they're very generous they're very generous they're very humble and they're the most generous people and this is what we think and I'm just going to tell you I put this down and man this was hit me between the eyes because I have said this and I have had to break it and I've repented of it because I want to be on the other end of this i haven't said it a lot but i have said it and i was ashamed that i said it so now you're like what's he gonna say this is what i've said well sure they can give a lot because they have a lot they can afford that because they have a lot they have all this and we have that backwards because literally they they have a lot because they give a lot our mindset is well who couldn't if i had all that i could give too you know what? Most, most cases, that, doesn't just, that just wasn't given to them or dropped in there. They have that because they've been good stewards of what they've had before. So they have that because they gave a lot. God can trust them with a lot because they'll be good stewards of whatever he gives. 2 Corinthians 9, 5 through 8. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time. Prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised, that it may be ready as a matter of generosity not of grudging obligation. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. So let each one of you give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. God loves a cheerful giver. God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always having all sufficiency in all things. Turn your neighbor and say all may have an abundance for every good work. That's why around here we don't ask you for anything. I mean, we don't. I I don't put up, uh, we used to, I just don't do it anymore because I want you to hear God and I want you to do what God tells you to do. That's it. I want you to have a good heart. I want you to do it because you want to do it, because you feel good about it, because God has put it and you've purposed in your heart. I'm going to do this. God, you're going to take this. I thank you for it. If you can't do that and you're like, I don't want to give, I hate to give, keep your money. We don't need it. Because God wants a cheerful giver. And I I know that sounds hard, but I want you to understand all you have is not yours. It is his anyway. I don't try to manipulate you to give. I just want you to listen. You know, if you noticed, there was no dollar amount on change. There was no dollar amount on craft that, I mean, they're just saying they're going to have this craft. So they might have something that they're going to try to get for But we're not doing a fundraiser for it. Does that make sense? I just want you to you know, if you want a sub and Rick's made it, I'm telling you, whatever the price they put on it, it's going to be worth it. I'm just saying, if you don't want to eat it, I'll eat it. Okay. Yeah, Bob's back there. I'll eat it. I'll be used of the ministry. (laughs) But if you feel manipulated or guilted into giving, then that's a sign that you should just not give. Now, you might say, well, I feel that every week. You might want to check who's telling you that, though, just so that I'm just saying. But God wants you to sow into vision. He wants you to give willingly and knowing that as you give, that's what the measure is going to be given back to you. And this is his promise. We just read it. God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. And that works for every area in your life. There's been times that God has told us to give vehicles away. We did that. We got more vehicles, told us to give jewelry. We I gave my watch away and I got five watches in two weeks. So you, you give a computer. We got two computers and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. God does keep his word. But it's a spiritual principle. It didn't work because I'm the pastor. It worked because it's a spiritual principle. It's a kingdom principle. You just read it. Generosity gives you influence. And here's number five you want to be a person of influence you need to be attentive these wise men were very attentive when we don't always see it first in the appearing of the star like I said as astronomers they knew it meant something and they were able to travel in Bethlehem and look for the king of the Jews If we read the story at some point the star disappears and it never disappeared they never stopped for directions now that's a miracle in itself especially guys asking directions, you know, that's a miracle. But I mean, uh, when they go to Herod, now think about this. God orders our steps, does he not? Now they got to go to Herod, and they find out through a a dream, through angels in a dream, I mean, you you can't go back this way because he's got another plan. But had they not done that, I mean, just think of how God ordered all of that. So the star disappears in these Kings three or 10. We don't know how many ask for directions. Um, and now listen here. They follow it. It goes away. They stop ask for directions. They they're told Bethlehem. The king says, go to Bethlehem. The star reappears. Now, before I think it was over the countryside in the general use, there it is. Let's just go this way. Go west, young man. Go east, you know, whatever. But now it's moving. And they're following it. You know, before it was taking them to a region. Are you with me? It's taking them to an area. They get there, then everything starts to unwind. It goes away. It comes back. And now as they follow it, it just keeps moving. If it goes to Bethlehem, it's going to mess with our story here. It's going to mess with scripture. I think the star went to Nazareth and led them over that way. Um, So let me me share why I, I say what I say. We know Jesus was in Jerusalem for at least 40 days because he was circumcised in the temple. The Bible says when everything had been completed and the taxes were paid, he returned to Nazareth. The timing of the wise men were probably a year or two after he'd been born, so chances are good. He's not in Bethlehem now because that's why Herod wanted all the babies killed. He wanted to find out where he was, probably Nazareth. Um, They followed the star until it rests over, and the Bible says the house See, when I read it before, I'm always thinking it's happening in the same sequence of all the things that we, but now it's over the house. It's not talking about the inn. It's not talking about the barn. It's talking about the house. The Bible doesn't say where that was. It would mess up Luke if it was still in Bethlehem. So here's why this matters. The guys, at least the wise men, were attentive to the leading of the Holy Spirit in every step of this journey. See, Bethlehem's a couple hours away from Jerusalem. If you remember where they came before, it was about four days' journey. So now he's got to go back. They went to Nazareth. They started in Bethlehem. The star redirected them to Nazareth, where Jesus was now living. Uh, Herod wanted to know the exact time. That's the reason that the babies were killed two years and under. These guys are willing and flexible on how they hear the voice of the Lord. They saw the star, talked to Herod, saw the star again. Different seasons, God is going to navigate you. Sometimes he'll get you in the region and then he'll say, now I got you here. I need to take you over here. I couldn't take you over here because I couldn't get you to this region. I need to get you here so now I can get you there. Are you with me today? So you need to understand, sometimes you're saying, God, I don't get it. You don't have to get it. You have to get God. And if you get God, you'll get it. And once you get God, he's going to say, now that I got you here, I need you to get there. Vision is seen as you walk it in obedience. You've got to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Think about Moses in the Red Sea. He led them out. Sea is in front of them. Those Egyptians are behind them. Moses, you brought us out here to die. Next thing you know, sea parts, they travel On dry ground, it it swallows the Egyptians. David and Goliath, David's in the right place at the right time. On a mission to the region to bring food to his brothers, but really to kill a giant. You see, you may be doing some things and you're going, I'm not significant. You are far more significant than what you imagine. God has a great plan for you. Hebrews 12, 25, see that you do not refuse him who speaks for if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven. See, people, are, they don't realize God's trying to speak to their lives, and they just refuse to listen. You want to be a person of influence? God showed Mary and Joseph to go another way home. You can't go this way. It's dangerous. Don't mess with Herod. Let me take care of him. You go this way. I got your back. This morning i'm gonna have my wife come to the keyboard if we want to really understand influence we i just gave you five things but i think we need to understand some things that we have to understand that god is directing now the bible says he blesses the work of your hands and obedience is where things start happening when you're obedient to the lord then you will see things happen what would happen if Joe had never bought into what Mary had said. Even if in the dream, if he said, bah, humbug. But because he said, all right, things start to redirect. Because Mary said, let it be as you said. I mean, this is crazy. I don't understand it, but if you say it, okay, I'll take it. The Magi. God showed them, this guy's not out to worship, he's out to kill the king. Don't go back and tell him anything. And we start looking at some of these elements of, of how God has a plan, and he needs people that will listen and be obedient, be people of influence. Because there's a world watching. There's people that are looking at your life, and they're deciding, is this God really real? Is he what you say he is? I say that he is. I say that you're on a journey. I say that he is helping you get to the place you need to be. Brett, you don't even know how hard it's been. I I know. I'm not saying God caused hardship. I'm saying, though, that he'll use that. I don't think that God gave you the pain. He didn't come to steal, kill, and destroy. The enemy does that. But I am going to tell you he'll make the crooked way straight. I am going to tell you that he will put a light at the end of the tunnel. And he's listening. Won't you listen to him today? Won't you say, you know what, Lord? From here, from this region, what do I do now? You show me what to do. I walked outside one night. We lived uh, the house before this one. And I remember asking the Lord some specific questions. I was by myself. The stars were brilliant. You know, in the country, you're not near the city where the lights of the city drowned out, all that stuff. But I was in the country, and they, they were just brilliant. And the moon was out, and it was shining down on our barn. And, and I was just asking God, God, I feel that you want me to go and start a Church. never done that before they've always taken me and said here you're you're a strong leader we need you to fix this go do that go fix this and sometimes you know i like to maybe i thought that more than they did maybe they thought that'll destroy him and he won't be with us anymore and it'll be okay you know i don't know in my mind i chose to think that's why they put me there they would say that but it might have been kind of like the the uh, herod thing yeah yeah let's tell him that i don't know but i remember looking up at those stars and i said god i just need to hear you now i'm not telling you to test god in this i'm just telling you i felt the presence of god and i said lord i know this isn't much to ask and if you don't do this i'll still do whatever you say but if you want me to go back if you want me to start a church Could you somehow show me? I'd love to see a shooting star. And I'm telling you, I said that and not, I don't even think five seconds passed and. I remember just getting all, you know, I'm like, wow, that was cool. What I'm saying is this. He wants to use every one of you. He has a divine plan he has a purpose next week we're going to talk about your purpose but he has a reason and i know the enemy's brought a lot of hardship on many of you but god can make it straight he can make something out of nothing and you can triumph would you bow your heads please